Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Hayden. I am the pastor at Kindred UMC. You are listening to the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. This week, we have Coach V, which stands for Vic. He is the owner and proprietor of Top Fitness uh, and just an overall swell guy. If you're interested in getting in shape or need help getting healthy, losing weight, his links will be down at the bottom below and uh, you should check him out. He talks a little bit about what he does and it's great. Uh, If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please email kindredumc at gmail.com. Same goes if you have any questions. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, rate, review, that helps. And with no further ado, Away we go. And here we are. We did it. We done did it. With Coach V, a.k.a. Vic. Uh, Welcome. It's my pleasure to welcome you to our podcast. And uh, I w- we had a very awkward intro because I didn't want to talk to you at all. Oh, <laughs> what? No, I want to I want to get all of it on on oh, recording. Yes. Let me guess. He did the usual. No, no, no! Don't say anything. Don't say anything. We have to record it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Good evening. Yeah, happy to be here. Glad to Appreciate have you. It. Glad to have you. Uh, so um, before we jump into the enneagram stuff. Uh, we kind of just did a little bit of a brief bef- before we started, but like, uh, how how did you come to be on the podcast? Also, is this rude? Do you mind if I'm putting uh, no, my you're, you're all right. All right. Just, uh, just don't get any closer, Dan. We'll be all I right. Will, I will not. <laughs> I'll stay right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did I get here? Um, so somebody was telling me that uh, Nicole knows somebody who runs a local podcast. Nicole Lamago, who has Love been her. on the podcast a couple twice, times now twice yeah. now yeah i just call it nicole like i, don't, nicole. I can't pro, i can't pronounce her last name so like just five years of french man yeah no yeah. can't speak a lick of it but i can pronounce the heck out of it <laughs> good deal so uh yeah, i found out about that and then uh, she got me connected to uh, miss courtney here oh, and yeah. here i am and i mean well, i'm hoping like uh so this is my first podcast so oh well oh, you're doing very well hi. so far yeah you're <laughs> you settled, you settled into it naturally. Oh, okay. Good deal. So, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, but like inside, I'm like anxious as hell. Like, oh my God, I don't mess up. But no. Yeah, but, you'll uh, be fine. You're, you got it. You we, got this. We very much, uh, this is definitely, uh, one, our audience isn't very big uh, compared to like things that could get you in trouble. And two, uh, it's very much not a gotcha podcast at all. Okay, <laughs> good deal. That, that, this is very much a, like, we just want to have a casual chat and get to know people. Yeah, that's um, right now, though, but I mean, like, you, you can be as large as, like, large, uh, like Joe Rogan or something like that yeah, one day. Yeah, he's, he's who we're going after. Okay. We're going to yeah. get him. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, when I, when I'm run, looking for a $100 million Spotify deal or in anything less than that, and we have failed. So when I run for uh, mayor for Oviedo or something like that, this probably just come bite me in the tail later yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, you're quoted on the record as saying. Yeah, yeah you know. exactly. No, I yeah. Um, how do you, how did you know Nicole? Nicole. Nicole, yep. Yeah. So uh, I was working at Title Boxing and then uh, she used to come out of my classes with her best friend, Miss Rena. She's so. quite a strong woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah, with my help, she became really strong. You know, so uh, yeah, she, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always try to give. I always give them a hard time. You know, so um, and then especially when they miss my classes and everything like that. So and then um, that's part of what you pay for. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, but uh, someone she, to she notice was, when you're gone. She was loyal to another trainer. So I, it's all right. So <laughs> there are, I let that oh, one slide. Do you smell? There's a little bit of bad blood there. Yeah, no, no. He's a phenomenal trainer, anyway. Though, like a, he's cool, Mr. Billy. If you're listening, 
Yeah. Mr. Billy. Missy, dude. Billy has also been on our podcast. I heard he was. Oh, yeah. That. Wow. Bill, that Billy. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so you're the one that made Nicole almost beat me in arm wrestling. Yeah, well, you see, about you. Well, you see, if she would have stuck with me, then she would have beat you. There you oh. go. That's what, that's what went wrong. That, exactly. That's <laughs> well. exactly it. So, you know, that, that she was missing them strength and conditioning. So. Yeah. Okay. So you used to be a trainer title. What are you doing now? Okay, so now I am running my own mobile training fitness business. Oh, really? Yeah, we've been having a lot of, uh, we've kind of like hit a, a vein in fitness stuff. Like we've had several fitness people come in from different angles and like you're, you're just kind of fitting into the more of that. So oh, good deal. Yeah. So any come to us for Enneagram expertise and also health and wellness, apparently. <laughs> so we've kind of, kind of got it. Um, what do you mean mobile? Okay, so uh, I mean, I don't have a uh, brick and mortar place, you know, so I I have my own trailer with my Me own either. gear. I could just pick up and move and set up in a park, set up in a parking lot. I could set up pretty much anywhere. It's you know just. Do you like like private training? Like, I, I uh, do, I do that as well. Um, so it, someone can just bring a gym to your house. Yes. You can just bring a gym to somebody's house. Yes, and, I can. And like they can just wake up and start working out. Absolutely. That's like your dream. Operate <laughs> <That is laughs> on your schedule. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, like one of my biggest complaints with the gym that I go to. And I, I like the gym that I go to a lot. But one of my biggest complaints is like, God, I have to make it at the 10 a.m. Like. This is a, a little uh, uncharismatic and, and a bit too uh, divulgent, but that's kind of how I am anyway. Uh, I have to take a shit before I work out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I have to wake up and I have to, like, have a bit, a moment's peace in the morning. Like, I, I have to do that. And then if if it's not, like, working for me, if, if it's taking just a little too long and I can't get there by 10, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> what if you just got up earlier? Well, I don't, that, it's, it's more like my stomach's on the same no. schedule. What, what gym is that you're going it's to? It's the UFC gym that's right down the road from here. Oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. I, I think Billy was there. Billy and, was, yeah, I was and Mike's there. the owner. He yep. was there. I, oh, you were there. Okay. I used to yeah. train there, too. I never I took any of your classes, though. Yeah, I never, me yeah, me neither. But Matt did, and Delisa did. Oh, yeah? And both of them said it was tough. I bet. Well, I bet. Because you, uh, you were a trainer when I first started boxing and when I first started fitness stuff. And fun fact about me, I was 50 pounds heavier. I've lost 50 pounds. Nice. Uh, but I was like very new to all of that at that time. So I'm going to be honest. I was a little intimidated because I heard your classes are real tough. Uh, well, I mean, you get, you get what you pay for. Right. So, I mean, I, uh, you know. yeah, feel like I, I can handle it now, but back then I was nervous. Stupid. Yeah, I very much take the slant of <laughs> like uh, the the coach that I go to for the mm -hmm. most. I always joke that because I was upfront with him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm getting I, I used to do MMA. I've got back problems. I'm old. I'm, I'm really just looking for like to maintain some mobility and yada yada. And like, I really don't. I'm not here to be pushed, that kind of a thing. And so now when he goes around and he's like, yeah, get it. And he's like talking to other people, come on, push it. Yeah, give me more. And then he comes to me, he's like, at your own pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at these days. I'm at my own pace. Well, well with that, um, you know, I've, I've heard people like this, say that, that they were intimidated by going to my classes or like, you know, if they see a video of, of, of my training, they feel like that they have to work out and get to a certain level before they even start working out with me. But I, I'm, I'm not 
it's not that's not what it's about um i, I don't want to do for me like i yeah. i've taken the the kind of mental place of like especially after COVID, like COVID took the wind out of me mm-hmm. like literally like i'm having like breathing problems and if i push too hard it feels like i'm getting uh punched i'm like the wind taken out of me it feels like i'm getting punched in the stomach mm-hmm. and so there's something about the just like no, go to the hard class and just and do what you can do. That's exactly and it. like track your progress. Yeah, you know that's exactly it. So I mean, I always set up different weights, and if I have somebody that has an issue with a knee problem or back problem or whatever, I mean, like uh, I give them alternate exercises they can do. I have everywhere from sixty-year-olds, fifty-year-olds. I got people with knee reconstructive surgery, hip problems, and uh, they still train with me. You know, and um, yeah. I've uh, some of my some of my great. Uh, well, I call my OGs who started me from the very beginning. Um, my buddy, uh, Big Mike, uh, Big Mike, uh, sorry, oh man, sorry, Big Mark. Uh, Big Mark, he's been with me since the beginning. And uh, COVID was probably one of the best things that happened for me. Oh, really? oh I bet. Yeah, because um, oh, actually. Yeah. I bet yeah. it was. Yeah, so this was, uh, this has been a dream of mine for a while. This is one thing I wanted to do. But um, um, so just give you some background on that. Uh, I was working at a high school and uh, teaching ROTC mm-hmm. and okay. it didn't work out. So oh. I wanted to start my own business and I wanted to start this. And then uh, I was like, man, where, where do I start? Well, I, maybe I'll just start working at a couple gyms and start getting my name out there. And that's what I started doing. I worked that uh, title. They were only giving me one class a week. I was what? like, man, yeah, just starting. Yeah, so I was like, man, I need a little more than that. And then uh, I got a hookup at uh, UFC and got Got working there, and and Mike, the owner of the place, he 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 loved me, and um, kept on giving me class after class after class, and then title was it was started like uh, my training, my method of training, and they uh, started giving me more classes, and COVID hit, and you know the my members were or like the members I was training that they got used to my training style, they they're like, hey, are you gonna are you gonna do anything? And I'm like, well, you know what, actually I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, that's where that's where pretty much. Uh, that's cool. You said you mentioned right before we started, uh, you have a, a military background. Yes. What branch do you serve in? There's only one branch, brother. Oh, are you a Marine? That, you know, there you go. You see, you already know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, did 22 years in the Marine Corps. Wow. wow. Yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah. Run by quick. Whew. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, uh, I think if I had my life to do over again, I think I would lean, I like, I think I, I would lean into some kind of branch of, I don't think, I, I don't know if I could cut it with Marines. Um, it's, it's a tough bunch of guys. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but there is something, I don't know. In, in my older age, there's something I, that I appreciate a lot more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, I mean, it, I, that must have been where, were you into fitness and, and like uh, being in shape before that? Or did they shape you into this person that we see before us? You know, I think it's a combination of things. But um, yeah, absolutely. The Marine Corps definitely has shaped my career, my mindset, my discipline and, and being in shape and being fit. You know, I, of course, I'm not as in greatest shape as i used to be but um you know it's um i, I don't i don't have to deploy and hike and shoot right, and yeah. carry <laughs> right yeah. hundreds of pounds of gear on me but yeah, um, you don't have to worry about <laughs> carrying somebody else yeah. out for miles and miles. yeah exactly but um you know it's uh, i think it just started watching um good old movies from back in the day of uh good uh you know commando rambo and yeah 
uh, good old Chuck Norris films of, uh, yeah. you know, what is it, Lone Wolf McQueen? I don't know. Lone You're Lone saying Lone. names to people I've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> she's, she's not, not the one to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to ask about pop culture <laughs> yeah. references. Especially not older ones. No, definitely uh, not. Well, that's that's cool. First of all, thank you. Like, I, I, yeah. I appreciate no, no, anybody no, 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 who serves. Me, but I appreciate it. Don't. Yeah, I appreciate anybody who serves. Um, so uh, now that we have a little bit of background, a little bit about you, uh, may I ask you, have you had a chance to take the Enneagram personality test? I did. Or motivation test or whatever you want to call hey. it. Hey. Uh, you did. That's that's a bit of a debate whether or not between us yes. whether or not it's a personality test or a motivation a test. Uh, are you then prepared to reveal to the world the results of that test? I kick it. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, do you remember them or do you need her? To I, remember know them? What, I know. I know. Yeah. If you don't remember them, I think it was a uh, what was this? Class one or something. He is a one wing two social subtype. Really. Uh, Hold on, let's pause for a second. I'm pretty sure that's a pizza that we ordered. And we're back. I think we're back, right? Yeah, we're back. Okay. One wing, two social. Yeah. Uh, Does that sound familiar? Never to heard anyone of it. anyone in the room? Never heard of it. Hmm. I don't. I don't know what that. So how much do you know about the Enneagram, Vic? Well, Have before we move on, let's label, let's label those numbers for people because people are listening who don't know. Okay, so I was going to take it back even further than that to ask, like, okay. how, how much he had... So you have no experience with the Enneagram. I have no experience. Okay, so I think where we actually need to start then is a, a brief explanation, and then I will explain the titles and the numbers, and we'll get into all of that. So the Enneagram is a... The, the thing we've kind of agreed on is a motivation-based personality assessment. Okay. So it's all about why you do what you do, not what you do. What you do is a part of that, but it's not the main thing. So like you see Myers-Briggs, you see values assessment, you see, I don't know, uh, there's a bunch Disc of them. Is Disc one. is one. There's and a bunch of different psychological personality tests. It's all about what you do. The thing that makes the Enneagram so different is that your type is actually based on the motivation rather than the personality aspects. So personality does come with that, but it's not the main thing. It very much starts with um, what's what are core your goals, what drives you. Fear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, core motivation, core fear. So type one is actually the reformer. And as a social one wing two, you're actually a counter type, which means that you take on the motivation and fear of a type one, but look like closer to type four or type personality eight, wise. Personality yeah. wise. Which is why it's so important to start with that motivation and fear because some of the typical things that I would describe to you maybe about a type one, you might be like, eh, that doesn't really feel like me. So the core motivation of a type one is... Um, By the way, we're saying all of this as statement it, and it right. is intended as question. Sounds good to me. It's like you, if you feel free to correct or like say like, yeah, that's totally me. I identify with that or like, nah, not so much. Like you're completely free to... Be and yourself. You know what, Chris? Actually, like, anytime that we talk about type ones, especially when it's like a the counter type, I, I prefer that you talk about it because it is your type. Oh, I can. You, you're asking so, me to talk about myself. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, but what does it mean by like that counter? What was? What? So basically, there's this thing in the Enneagram called subtypes. Okay? okay. So you have three relationships in your life. You have your relationship with yourself and your own mental health. You have your um, 
your tribe or your like social network. And then you have your one-to-one -one connections. So whether that's romantic or whether that's like your closest friendships, that's what that one-to-one -one means. The one that you prioritize the most can affect your personality. So I, to, I think the quickest, easiest way for you to start to understand what your subtype might be is to imagine you at a party. Yeah. If you're at a party, do you find yourself like sitting down with one person and, and talking one on one? Do you find yourself kind of being like the so life of the party of and like with the group? Or do you find yourself being more of a wallflower and like you get exhausted easily because it's your it's 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 takes a lot of energy to like be present with other people? Guess it depends on how much alcohol I had. <laughs> you, yeah, so my, you and my wife, we were we <laughs> literally just talked because we were on vacation and, and we'd been out. And I'm an extrovert, so okay. I'm the type of person that like, if you if I've been working all day and and somebody wants to go out, if I can find a good conversation out, I will immediately rally. Hmm. And she's the opposite. She's got like, like because we went we were visiting home and had a lot of like interaction with friends, and so like. She was like, by the, like the third day, she was like, can we not do anything today? Like <laughs> she was over it. Like yeah. I need a day to recover. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, and, but if, if now she's getting older now, so the idea of like treating it with alcohol is, uh, comes at a price yeah. <laughs> these days. No, I, I mean, I, I like talking to people and everything like that. I think I'm a little more standoffish at first or. It takes me a little bit to uh, warm up to somebody before I start talking to them and then really like, mm -hmm. well, once I get to know somebody or whatever, you know, and then uh, we have a good conversation, then I just, I, I won't, I won't shut up, I guess. I also feel like as somebody who is an entrepreneur who is starting their own business, like it makes sense that your subtype would be social, right? Like you have to have some level of ability to engage with the community and like mm -hmm. bring people into what you're doing. Like that makes sense to me. But I, I also thought think I was skipping. intimate. Oh, maybe he's not the counter type. I think I so. Lied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intimate is the intimate's the countertype. Social. I lied. But it sound. But you also sound the way you're describing right now. That sounds like more of an intimate subtype to to me. But I mean, maybe we get into that later. Maybe let's just start yeah, okay. with the. Right. Let's, let's just start with the basics. Yeah, basics of a of a a type one reformer. Okay. So, uh, so the core motivation, as I understand it. And this is not quite what other people describe it as, but the core motivation as I can understand it is it has a lot to do with what is what is real, what is true, and what is like fair. Like that's what motivates me. Okay. Uh, when I see something that is, when I see someone de uh, deliberately misrepresenting a situation in order to kind of like move it in their favor, uh, that's that's when I and like flip the table is kind of a like I I'm willing to flip the whole table to get to the real truth of things mm -hmm. um, and I don't care how unpopular it is and I don't like I want I want to describe the truth and I want people to understand the truth and certainly there's nuance in that like we can disagree about it but like I I want what's real and I I, I want what's sincere yeah sincere. And, and fair and just, right? you know, um, that's, that's the core, I think, motivation of type ones. Um, sometimes that gets into like moral absolutism where ones can be like, I've decided what's right and wrong and follow, follow what I say or else. 
Like that's kind of a dark it's side. Kind of like the, extreme or something. Or like, yeah, that's you know, like the dark side of the uh -huh. one. Um, but also the but the kind of the light side of the one can be much more of a like fighting for what like uh, well the reformer is what they call it fighting for an important necessary change to actually help people. So that's the main motivation of a type one. Yep. Uh, when I read that, uh, I was like, yep. That definitely yep. sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I just like looking back at my career or things I do or stuff I've done. It's just like, yeah, that kind of sounds like me. Um, now, the core kind of fear of a type one is usually centered around being perceived as the villain. I can see that. And, yeah, uh, and especially because so that, like the way that those two play off of each other is that so like the core motivation is when you see an injustice, even if it's unpopular, you'll speak up. And the fear is that in speaking up and trying to address the unpopular, you know, thing that's gone wrong, that everyone will turn against me and be and I will be the villain. Like that's usually how it works in me. Yep. And I think that's pretty core for type one. So I think that's kind of the heart and soul of the type one. Um, I, I would have to agree with that. Um, I think um, what was kind of sh helped shape me as well is just uh, being in the military or being in the Marines for, for so long. It's just um, you, you're never going to satisfy everybody, you know, just nope. uh, just long you're doing nothing. You're, you're not doing anything illegal, immoral, unethical. And you just kind of stick to those those. Um, just doing the right thing. And well, uh, yeah, I think, a sense of integrity is typically very strong. I was going to say one. a lot of a lot of type ones tend to prefer to live by a code of some kind, yeah. like a code of honor. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like uh, like um, Don Quixote is a type one. Like Don Quixote, who is the senile fictional character. Thank you for for explaining who Don Quixote. Yeah, is. senile <laughs> fictional character, but whose whose goal is. He's on a mission to civilize, to bring back chivalry and civility among people. Like, and he's on this mission and he has this code and like, you know, and, and the humor of it is that he's, you know, he imagines that windmills are giants that he has to defeat because he's an old man and he can't quite understand reality anymore. Uh -huh. But his main thing is that he, want, he wants to bring back some sense of civility that, that, you know, that people should treat each other a certain way. Yeah. Just because, because it's human decency, you know, like yeah. we're, we're lacking that a yeah. lot. I, and I'm these days. Yeah, sure. I think you and I would have a, a <laughs> lot to agree upon and a lot of uh, a lot of long conversation about that because oh, yeah. I, I can get worked up about it pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I, I sure can as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm working. And, the, and that's also kind of again, that's where my dark side of the one comes out. I, I can get into absolutism where I've decided what's right. And, and then people are like, well, maybe it's more complicated than that. And I can, I can kind of lose the thread a little bit and just get worked up. Yep, I can uh, see that, you know? I can do that. Yeah, and then, and then that plays on my fear because then I start to feel like I'm the villain. Even though I had really good points, it doesn't matter because I'm kind of being a dick about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and, the, and now I'm the villain and that's my core fear. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So um, the other one, the other kind of important aspect of a type one oh, is, yeah. is what's called the internal critic. And that can be perceived in categorically kind of in two different ways. So and this is the only type in the Enneagram that has this thing. 
Um, an internal critic is just a, kind of this voice in your, you know, not literally, but like mm -hmm. a voice in your head that's constantly perceiving and paying attention to what's wrong. Most type ones, that critic faces inward. inward. Uh, I, I'm an intimate type one, which is a counter type. Mine faces outward. So the difference between that is like uh, most type ones are really hard on themselves. Yep, I can definitely see that. I yeah. can definitely relate. Yeah, I'm not very hard on myself, but when I'm at like, uh, you know, like I did, I'm a musician and I did theater and stuff. So if I'm at a show and something's going like, that should have been better. That could have, you, you missed a cue. You mi the lights weren't right there. Uh, the, that's the, the cello's out of tune. You know, like mm -hmm. those types of things though, my outer, my critic is constantly looking at what's going wrong. And that's why I was a really good worship director because part of the worship directing is like making kind of the, the pageantry of worship land in an emotional and spiritual way for people. So I could stand in the back and be like, that's the wrong color that's distracting we're taking too long there like it made me really good at that but then it also kind of like i mean talk to my wife she's pretty fucking over it <laughs> <laughs> sitting sitting next to me at a movie that i'm like why didn't they what's going wh what's this character arc where where's like where's like she's pretty over it um but so but you're saying that you kind of have the more inward facing it is uh, yep i sure do can you can you talk to that a little bit well, I think um, we are all our own worst critic. So, um, you know. Uh, that I don't think that's true. No? I okay. think it's true for type ones. Uh, well, okay. Well, you know, yeah. I think I think you are your own worst well, critic. Well, I would say, too, as, a, as not a type one, as a type six, the loyalist, I don't have an inner critic, but I am incredibly hard on myself. And I do have a streak of, perfectionism and legalism in me and it comes from a place of like I feel like people are going to abandon me if I don't like you don't perfect. do it right yeah so yeah. like I was talking with a, a friend about this the other day when I was feeling really overwhelmed and the thing she said was hey we need to strive for excellence and not perfection because excellence leaves room for error and for like conversation perfection like is a like inachievable, immeasurable thing, and you're holding yourself to an incredibly high standard that no one is ever gonna get to. Yeah, that's a hard thing, because um, there, there's a really delicate balance there. Like, because there's, there's some truth in good as the enemy of great. You know, like, mm -hmm. you could be great, uh, but you're settling for good. I think there's some truth in that. Um, but then there's also the, like, perfect is the enemy of great. You right. Know, like, Perfect is also the enemy of Well, great. that's why I like the excellence over perfection. Yeah. It's like we can still, like, excellent is not like a snuff. It's not good. It's better than good. But it's also, like, consistent. One of the big things for me in my, like, fitness journey that I've had to learn is that, like, the weight loss, and I'm sure you can speak to this, it's just a fucking number. Who gives a fuck? The thing that really matters is that you're consistent, that you show up every day, that that's your it. nutrition is on point, that you're, like, Getting your ass in the gym, even when you don't feel like it. Like, mm -hmm. can you can you tie your work. shoes without taking a giant deep breath? You're doing the hard work, and you're <laughs> showing up every day. And even if every day isn't perfect, even if every day isn't exactly how it should be, like you showing up is a sign of excellence. It's a sign of commitment. It's a sign of consistency, and that's what gets you the results you want. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. I like that. Yeah, we um, because we were just on vacation, and I uh. Where'd you go? 
Uh, we just went to Tampa. It's oh. kind of where my wife and I met, and and kind of I grew up in Tampa, and and we have a lot of roots there, and in, in friendships and dances. We we like to go out dancing a lot, and so like Ebor, and there's a, a swing dance scene there that we you know social dancing where you like lead nice. follow kind of stuff. Okay. So anyway, uh, but uh, there's something about the. I felt myself, especially because I similarly just recently lost like 20 pounds, but I, I did keto for a minute and then, and now I'm just kind of like focusing on low carbs and, and working out and it's working for me, but we were, you know, we were on this vacation and I was like, I'm not like, I felt myself the temptation of wanting to get obsessed with the number mm -hmm. and being like, you know what? I'm not bringing the scale. <laughs> Let's just... I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do for a week. It's not gonna wreck it's me. Yeah, and I'm gonna. And then when I get home, weight. we'll just like you know, it's like when I get home, I'll get back back to it, you know, and uh, and like there's I think there's something about particularly type ones that have a hard time. Like I had to talk myself into feeling that way pretty much every day. Hmm. Because cause it was like a thing that I had set for myself and like there's a, I've gotten into a routine and a right way to eat and behave w around food and exercise that's hard to like let up for a vacation, you know? Absolutely. Um, now don't get me wrong, eating chicken wings at Hooters was really worth it. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm, I'm glad I did it, you know? Uh, but the, but it, there's something emotionally challenging for me about that kind of a, like getting off the wagon a, a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, and then like just relaxing and allowing it to be fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I feel like we got off track a little bit. Uh, you were talking about being hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just being in the military as well. I mean, you know, just being on active duty. I mean, you're constantly, you know, it's, why we joined the Marine Corps is uh, to be better to everybody else and talk shit for the rest of our lives, of right. course, you know, <laughs> of everybody else. But um, no, but, um, you, you know, it's just, it was just everything. And uh, another thing, um, when, when I first came in, I came in in the late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s. So, you know, it was during the Clinton campaign that we didn't have any money for anything. So, I mean, we did a whole lot of whole lot of nothing, a whole lot of room inspections, a whole lot of what we call junk on the bunk where we had all our gear and, you know, it's like yeah, making sure that everything's folded correctly. And uh, we had so many inspections like that. And uh, so, I mean, it's just, you know, it was always hounded on us. It was like always, you know, like attention to detail, attention to detail. And then over time, it just, um, it, it, I think things got better and things got like just smarter with, um, you know, we were, we were at war and we, we weren't, we were so focused on just making sure that you didn't have these like little strings, IPs on your uniform. You know, it's like we're, we're war fighters. And then we started right. more focusing on that and doing better training. And then, um, and then just over time, you just get more, a little more mature. And then, you, you know, things are, things ain't going to be perfect. Things are going to get messed up. And, you know, I mean, of course you strive for perfection. Especially uh, in know. any type of a combat situation. Oh, right? absolutely. You know, and then, um, and of course, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So when you look back, it's just, man, I wish I would have done this or done that but you know you just kind of kind of roll with the punches and um you know it's, it's always going to be some kind of what we call friction there's always going to be some kind of thing that goes wrong or something wrong so i mean you just kind of you know what just is, don't let it affect uh, you that much adapt improvise overcome is that what it is yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like adapt, improvise overcome yeah, yeah i like that because it's it's a 
Um, it's it's an admission up front that things are going to go not quite according to plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it takes some time to develop. And um, well, part and part of the plan is adapt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I could I could tell you with uh, with, with my business, you know, like the thing, you know, you, you try to try to mitigate uh, certain situations or things like that. But, um, you, you know, there's always something that goes wrong. And, um, you know, it's that Murphy's law. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, when, when I'm thinking of, uh, OK, well, I'm going to show up early and I'm going to hold it set up and I'm going to have everything's going to be great. And then it's just like traffic, you know, and mm -hmm. so I'm not backed up a little bit. So now uh, but I'm, I get there, I get there like 20 minutes later than I, I wanted to. And then, so now I'm rushing to set up before everybody gets there and things like that, or, mm -hmm. you know, or be like that. It's just something, just something off the wall. I uh, like, I think a maybe slightly lesser um, stakes, but uh, I, I can identify that with, with worship planning. So, uh, you know, I, I worked for a church that did three services and they were pretty tight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like maybe half an hour in between each service, all using the same building, you know. And so I remember the feeling of uh, we we plan for it to go sideways. You, like you, you just plan for something to happen that you can't plan for mm -hmm. and you just get used to being on your toes and making it work. And like, that was just part of the job. Yeah. And sure enough that, cause you know, you're dealing with like sound systems and musicians who are a little flaky sometimes and, you know, uh, and Lord knows what else, just like sometimes a pastor will come in and be like, scrap it i've changed my entire direction and we're and it's like okay well, we're just gonna roll we've we have that's planned it. to roll with it yeah just roll we, with the punches that's yeah it. we've put in the practice and the hours so that when that happens we can go left instead of right you yeah, know like that's exactly it yeah I, I i i think there's something in there that uh is kind of one-esque like like uh it's yeah so again where we, where we go wrong is when we get trapped in kind of black and white literalism kind of stuff. And where where it really, really works is when, um, the, like the planning for the unplanned, I think that's the mentality that, that, at least for me, I can say, that's the thing that really helped me succeed uh, when I was getting stuck in the like, why isn't everything going according to plan? And it's like, well, then plan for that. So that's reality. Let's deal with reality as it is. Let's not deal with reality as we hope it to be. Let's deal with reality as it is. Um, and that's, that's when things, that's when I kind of got a handle on, I think some of that stuff for me. I think, uh, one thing as well is, uh, you gotta be resilient, you know, you gotta mm -hmm. have, I like that word, gotta be resilient. Cause, um, it's something that we, we have to deal with is it, something's always going to go wrong. You know, uh, you, you know, and when you, you could come up with the greatest plan and it looks great on black and white when you write it down and you could rehearse it, you could plan it. But it'll be that one thing you did not plan for. And then, like, I mean, so, I mean, you just got to be resilient. You got to be able to, like, adjust. six, you are speaking to my, like, deepest fears right now. As somebody who is a worst-case scenario, risk <laughs> management kind of thinker, spends 80% of their life thinking about everything that could possibly go wrong so that they can be prepared for when shit hits the fan, I really like that example that you just gave, this idea of resilience, like, it's not how do we get it perfect every time, but how do we overcome the things that happen to us that we can't control? I love that. So I was, uh, 
Um, my last duty station, I was, was called a, a AMOI, Assistant Marine Officer Instructor. And that duty is at a university. So I was a, basically an NROTC instructor at Texas A&M University. And some of the kids are really sharp. Go Aggies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gig them. You guys say gig them. Gig them? Gig them. Yeah, that's yeah. what they say. <laughs> All right. So um, you got these kids who are, you know, just four point, you know, like they're like 5.0 students in high school. They had to get to college and they fail their first semester, you know? Yeah. And like they, like, they, I was they, the opposite. They, they, they want to jump off the bridge. So, I mean, it's yeah. just, um, you know, when I was there, I mean, after the first year, then like, you know, when we started getting the freshman class in, you know, I would talk to them about being resilient. Hey, just, uh, hey, you know, you're going to make mistakes, learn from it and yeah. ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world. You're going to make a, like, a whole lot more mistakes later on in life. So, I mean, just learn from it and carry on. I also think, you know, in thinking about what you just said, like the thing that comes to my mind is, resilience is flexible too like i feel like a lot of times like when we get caught in this idea of perfectionism and this idea of being the best like we get so stuck by what we decide that is but the thing that's so great about resilience like the example you literally just gave was me in high school i failed all through high school wasn't for me and then i failed in college it wasn't for me and like here I am now at 26 and I'm in two dream jobs that I absolutely love because I found the thing I was passionate about and I invested my time and effort and energy into those things because I didn't give up on myself because school wasn't or traditional four-year college wasn't the right thing for me. So you're a whopping 26? Yeah. Whopping. Whopping 26. Must be nice. Yeah, yeah tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> well, so like I, I, it's a sermon illustration. It's an analogy I've used before, but like the reason that palm trees survive in hurricane tropical environments, it's because they can bend. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're the strongest tree in the world. It's because they're flexible. <laughs> yeah. It's because their leaves stay on because they can like, su- they can suffer the winds and like kind of go with it. And then when that's over, they're like, oh, that was rough. <laughs> they just kind of keep going, you know, like, and I think there's something to that. Uh, and again, that's the, uh, I think that's the way forward for specifically type ones. Uh, Cause type ones can get moralistic and, and rigid, you know, and, uh, and learning to be flexible and learning t- like resilience and, 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 and especially practicing it. Cause it is, it's a thing that doesn't, just occur by just being like, okay, I'll be resilient. Like, no, you have to, you have to practice it. You have to like pretend that, you know, uh, or not pretend, but you have to like, uh, you know, discipline yourself to like think that way and recognize when it's not going that way. And like, be a little self-aware I mean, like, okay, I think I'm upset because this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and okay, fair enough. I can be upset, but we still have a job to do. And we still have something to, to accomplish here. So what are we going to do now that reality has set in? You yeah, know? Absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> I remember uh, one of the, um, so one of the, the learning points for me was uh, our pastor at the church I was working for wanted in-ear monitors because it made a quiet stage. So normally you have like giant speakers on the stage so the band can hear what they're playing. Um, but then if you get little headphones and in-ear monitors, then there's no sound on stage and you can just, the sound guy can just kind of mix whatever volume they want without worrying about the sound on the stage. 
and he wanted to do in-ear monitors, but we couldn't really afford to do it well. And like one of the things I was trying to convince him about, and this was like a learning thing for me, was you can't just set it and forget it because you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with an organic system. So the idea that you can just, we'll just set all the volumes for the inner monitors and everybody will have their mix. Like, no, because what's gonna happen is, you know, Brad's gonna come in and he's gonna be, he, he just had a fight with his wife the, the night before. So he's a little more angry. So he's playing a little harder and like now the mix is off. And then, and then you've got Sarah over here who's playing keyboards, but you know, she's kind of tired this morning. So she's got a really light touch. And so now that mix is off and somebody else is like, and it's this idea that like, no, if you can't adjust on the fly, it's an organic system. It's not a mechanical system. It's it's not a transmission, you know? Like, mm -hmm. oh. things change over time according to, like, how people feel. Oh, yeah. Like, and the rooms feel different depending on who showed up that morning. Mm -hmm. And, like, so you have to plan for some, like, improvisation and some ability to kind of be flexible in what's going on. Uh, and that, like, again, that was just one of those key lessons for me, uh, like, in the type oneness. Uh, yeah, I think these, uh, I mean, I don't know how you want to, how deep you want to get into this conversation or like this, this subject, but like, I mean, the, when you talk about this generation or these kids here, this generation, they, they, they lack resilience, you know, they, and, um, and adults too, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but oh, like, uh, the, boy, here we uh, go. oh man, uh, uh, I mean, uh, you know, teaching at the college and teaching at high school too. It's just like, like, man, what, what did you, was, did, was I, were you, was I this? I'm going to see what? myself out. What? Were you responsible for a safe space? No, thank God. No, but, uh, <laughs> if, if it was a, oof, uh, I think if I was, you wouldn't want me responsible for a safe space because it wouldn't be very safe in there. Cause, uh, no, you're exactly who I want responsible for a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'd be, I'd be thrown in jail. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I've had a similar frustration, uh, particularly with academia, of uh, um, we, we seem to be filtering out any dissenting opinions. Mm -hmm. And it and it's very, one, it infuriates me just on a personal level because my whole thing is like, Everybody should make their case, and if your case can withstand scrutiny, then then you win. Then who cares? Like if you if you made a good case based on facts that you can demonstrate, then then let's go with that. Like, exactly. That's how I feel about things. Uh, so fa personally, facts. I get infuriated by it, but then also like I also get very scared because I think we're in a dangerous and a dangerous world where uh, or in a dangerous setting where people are beginning to choose their own version of reality well yeah facts don't matter no more yeah, facts do not matter yeah it, it's get, and that that's getting very scary yeah. well and also like i would say that part of that is is correlated to like it's hard to know it's it's hard to get facts clearly without any agenda like you used to be able to kind of trust sources and now I find myself constantly scrutinizing, yep. like, because I'm just like, what, what are you hoping to get out of me? My favorite thing is, so I did debate in high school. I was debate team president and founder. It was a big thing for me, a big season of my life. But the best part about it, the best lesson it ever taught me was when we would 
go into tournaments. I competed in an event called Public Forum, and it's basically every month the resolution would change, the political resolution would change, and you had to be prepared to argue both sides of that argument fully and completely because the way it worked was you would walk into a debate round and you would flip a coin and you had that same argument with different people four times that day you could be arguing for the resolution three times and against it once you could be doing two and two you could be doing four and oh it didn't matter and you didn't know until the day of so you had to be fully prepared with facts and unbiased logical sources from actual academic scholarly people on both sides. And I think that that gave me a sense of, okay, like what is the truth? Cause there is like, it's gray. Like there's truth on both sides of every argument. So you couldn't pull it from Wikipedia or something like that? No, 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 no. <laughs> we had a, like, we had what were called debate cards. Yeah. So you had like credited, like academic Here, here's philosophers. The, here's the thing that I think has been changing and is is in a really dangerous place about that. Um, so there there was a, an example. This is a I can't remember the guy's names, but they, I saw this on Joe Rogan's podcast callback, um, where uh, there were these guys who <clears throat> they basically faked a bunch of social science research on purpose. Because they, they were kind of like seeing this really biased, weird thing happening. And so they faked a bunch of social science research. And they, they wrote like weird papers about um, like homophobia in dog park treatment of dogs or something like, like weird, weird stuff that was just kind of like ba not based in reality at all. They just kind of made it up. And, uh, and they wrote these papers and submitted them to what were perceived to be highly credible social science peer-reviewed journals. And not only did they get through the process, but they were given awards. They were like, this is the most important research that's been done all year. And then, <laughs> and then they revealed, like, like, this is all fake and made up. Why didn't you catch this? And like, and of course they just swept it under the rug and yep. didn't do anything. Like they didn't make any changes. They didn't like, they, they just got caught kind of like being incredibly ridiculously biased because they had decided on a paradigm and they were only accepting and publishing research that confirmed their paradigm. And then they weren't even scrutinizing it. And like this idea of peer reviewed journals, that's the whole point is like, especially in sciences, like the whole point is that you put it out there so that everyone can be like, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did, which is, again, that's very type one. I like that system because it's the best way, it's the scientific method, it's the best way to get to the truth. Like, like you have to do it right before we can count on this, mm -hmm. you know? And that is going away and maybe has gone away. Uh, and that's the thing that scares me the most. And, and it's, and it's having a tremendous influence on, on like pretty much every academic institution in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it scares the piss out so of me. So you would say that people getting their news articles from TikTok probably isn't, isn't. There's no such thing as a news article <laughs> from TikTok. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. <laughs> Similarly to Facebook, I would say, like, oh like we're, we've, we're, we're up. just, we're I too vulnerable there. We're, up. well, I get there. Here's a problem. Like, uh, like I would laugh about it, except for the fact that I'm <clears throat> genuinely anxious. About, like we've just made ourselves very, very vulnerable there. 
And like, yeah, so, there are lots of people. I don't legitimately get my news from TikTok, but I know a, a lot of people in the generation even younger than me that social media is their main form of perceiving information. Well, so recently the, there's a think tank called IDEA. It's a, it's an acronym, but there's a it's a think tank that analyzes like world democracies. And for the first time in history this year, uh, America was downgraded. <laughs> In it uh, as a backsliding democracy, hmm. and it, and it has a lot to do with the the our vulnerability to information that we are getting from multi uh, from uh, social media, it, and because and and it's in, in like eh. our enemies know that and they're using that to increasingly divide us. Um, we are, we are less able to be in the same room with people we disagree with and still treat them with respect and still listen to them. We are closer to civil war than we have been since the actual civil war. Like it's, it's really fucking dangerous. Like, like we're in trouble and I don't know what we're going to do. Like, unless we can get some fucking laws made about how social media actually works and how information is, is like, but but here's the thing. The people who have been benefiting from that dissent are the ones who are now elected. Like, like the ones who are in charge are the ones who are really good at taking these hyper-polarized stances. Like, like but, uh, at this point, I mean, laws don't even matter no more, though. I mean, it's it really doesn't. I mean, just, I mean, you look at I don't think we're all now. the way there yet, but I, I see I see evidence of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you see what's going on in the border or, I mean, what's, what's, what's just happened recently in the news uh, with, I don't know how deep you want to go in, but with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, it's, uh, you know, he was, he was found not guilty, not guilty, but, you know, they want his head on a stake. You know, yeah, it's, I, and it's just like, I was one of the, here's, here's the law, here's, yeah. here, here it is, you know, but I was one the of facts, the early the kind of like minority matter. supporters. Because I saw the video, mm-hmm. uh, like the that his attorneys put out that kind of broke down the details of the case, and I was like, "Well, God, tragic." But uh, I mean, what do you what do you want him to do? He's being chased like yeah. an attack. Like, what do you want him to do? Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I think so. Again, that's a really good example of type one. I I care more about what I believe to be the truth. But I know that me saying that and expressing support is going to put me in a place where I am perceived to be the villain. And so it's it's both my highest priority and my worst fear wrapped up in the same thing. But is that always a bad thing, though? Oh, it fucking sucks. <laughs> like, well. I would like to live in a world where... Um, and, and I think we're, we're working pretty hard to create that at Kindred, and I think we're doing well, but I want to live in a world where uh, where we can actually work through that in a real way without some kind of weird biased agenda. But what was the, uh, what's that quote? It's either by Plato or Socrates as, um, you know, no man is hated more than somebody who speaks the truth. I, I don't know the quote, but I, I feel that way often. Yeah, but I um, feel that way often. I think sometimes you you just gotta, you know. I think we're we're all 
especially these days, everybody's kind of in fear of like, they don't want conflict or whatever, or, you know, I think, uh, some, uh, you know, it's not so much about conflict, but I mean, um, I think there's a, trem- stand up, there's a know? tremendous fear of awkwardness, that, yeah, which is I'm like agree. a weird, and I, I think it's weirdly strong. I think there is a tremendous fear of like, this might be awkward. So I better just say what I'm expected to say oh, I agree. And, and I'll be punished for like, and I think there's a sense of punishment too. Um, and then, and then also on the opposite side, there's a sense of like, kind of, um, I get rewarded if I, if I just say what is supposed to be said or what I perceive that's, you know, people will give me praise. Like people will give me like, uh, you know, if I were to simply say, uh, among, cause I, our, our group is young and, and tends to be more liberal leaning. Yeah. I was going to say like, I know, I don't even want to get into it, but I know like me personally, I probably have a deposing stance about Kyle Rittenhouse than both of you do. And a lot of our friends also probably they will be on the opposite end. Right. And, and I get, I get frustrated in that because I, I am what I want to ask. And I, I, let's not, we won't go into this because it's again, because it's like, that's not what we're here to do. But what I want to ask is, okay, tell me the details of the case. Do you know them? Cause I do. I can tell you the details of the case. And that's why I arrived at the decision I arrived at. And if, and, and if there were like, uh, like there's this, uh, this thing that just happened where a guy crashed into a parade and like killed a bunch of people with his car. Um, I do not have an opinion about that other than like, you shouldn't fucking kill people like, um, but I don't have an opinion about that because I do not know the details of the case. And so if somebody came to me and asked me to sign a petition or to lift my voice for some reason, I would be like, I don't know the details of the case. I don't know what's going on there. Right. And that's why based on my like, that's what I think is missing now. I don't, I imagine most people who disagree with me on this particular case simply do not, they haven't bothered to educate themselves about it. They haven't bothered to look into it. They don't know what the details are. And yet they've formed an opinion because they've been told to. It's like, how about reserve judgment until you know, like whatever happened to that? It doesn't happen now. Like nobody reserves judgment until they know what's going on. It's all kind of sheep. They they're kind of all going the same way. You know, it's um, it's where well, and, and I and I think there's also something to it because the stakes are higher. If you don't go this way, then you will be seen as something other than us, and that means that you don't belong. And you, like the stakes are much. It didn't used to be that way. Like it used to be where like we could have differing opinions. Like I voted for Reagan. Oh, I didn't like that guy. Like it, like it used to be more like that, but now it's more like how you voted for Trump. What you you personally (laughs) hurt me with your choice to vote for that person. Like, and there's something about the escalation of those stakes. And I think it's, I I think it's artificial. I think it's, uh, I think it's being manipulated by foreign uh, I mean, like, I don't think like we can lead, literally read reports about it. Like the DOJ thinks, you know, like we're being manipulated by foreign uh, agencies that do not have our best interests in mind. Like, and like, but we just keep, but we just keep hurtling down the same road anyway. And I'm as a reformer, i that very much frustrates me. I find myself going like, well, clearly this isn't working. Why aren't we making any changes here? 
<laughs> like why why aren't you changing your mind about these things like uh, like and that's that's again that's where i always get in trouble because that's where i get i'm asking people to actually critically think about things and they don't want to and and if i do then they will it will cost them because they, they won't get the same social kind of acceptance because they'll be on the opposite side now. And so I'm, I'm literally asking people to do something that will hurt them. But because I believe that it's right and true, I'm like, yeah, but right and true is better than feeling pain. Like I will feel pain for the sake of right and true. Like I, I will like suffering pain is better than living a lie to me, you know? Same. Yeah. And I think that I think that's the core of the one. Yeah, I think you guys value that much high, much higher than other than other people. That's that's not. And I don't understand it. I don't understand. I, that's where I always get in trouble because I'm like, what is more important than truth? Can you imagine anything that's more important than truth? I can't. As someone who's again a different enneagram number, for me, it's being supported and feeling safe. And I, I can see how that would directly contradict. That sounds with a very unhealthy of, to me. <laughs> like, and yours sounds you know? very unhealthy to me sometimes. Uh, why? Because I, because of what you were just talking about. Because you're so after the truth that when you get into that zone, and I'm not saying you specifically. I'm well, saying, I do. It's fine. I don't mind. I, so, I can definitely confess that I do it. Okay. But you yeah. get so into the zone. You get so hyper fixated that you're forgetting that. You, it almost feels like the other person's not in the room. I do. I, I get worked up, but here's, here's in my defense, here's what's going on. I feel like that person isn't in the room. Right. Cause I'm, I'm literally going like, you're telling me the sky is red. Right. Where you you don't think that you're just trying to win an argument now. You don't actually like. I think that's the difference. I don't give a shit about winning the argument. Yeah, you do. Mm. Yeah, you do. What do you mean? Yeah, you go do. Go ahead. Go ahead. You you absolutely <laughs> do because because there are t like. Um, if I care about it, yes. Well, so so the the so okay. One of the classic examples from from our time together with friends has okay. been about like so Louis C.K. got in trouble. Oh God. Yeah, Louis C.K. got in trouble for inviting two women to his room. But then, by asking the end them, of this whole asking thing, them, I was like you're right. I, it doesn't. But but I get first. I'm like okay. But that that's that's why it's such a good example because after it afterwards you were like oh I hear what you're saying that does make a lot of sense. But in the moment, in the heat of the moment, because all the main thing that I was insisting in this, it was like a group argument. And the main thing I was insisting was because somebody, somebody else, not Courtney, but somebody else was saying that what Louis C.K. did was the same as rape. And what I said to him was, no, it's not <laughs> like that is literally those are two different. I'm not even I'm not even at this point arguing that like what this comedian did was completely fine and acceptable. I'm simply arguing that those two things are not the same thing. And what's frustrating is I know you don't think that they are. You believe me and you know that I'm right, but you're winning, but you're insisting, like it, you're insisting on something that isn't true. And then later, after everything calms down and after like winning the argument isn't on on the stage, suddenly people are like, 
Oh, you're right. That's not the same. Okay, so this is my <laughs> this is my point though, and it actually has zero to do with the topic of conversation or what the argument was about. I did not enter into that conversation purposefully until every until it was all anybody could talk about. I had I know myself. I remember that night very very well. I was quiet. I was reserved. I had kept to myself. I didn't want to enter into it. I don't enjoy the conflict. I don't enjoy the arguing. It's not for me. And then everybody got into it and it was heated up. And then I felt like I could say something. But I don't choose to enter into the argument because I care about winning the argument. I enter into the argument because I care about the support and safety of Sure. I'm more a part of it if I force myself to be a part of the conversation, but I couldn't have given less of a shit about that conversation, to be honest. The conversation you and I had after that was meaningful and helpful. Yeah. But in that moment, I was like, fuck this. But, well, what, well, so why not not engage the conversation? Then? Why not be like, I don't care? Because it ha- I was doing that for 30 minutes and it hadn't stopped and it was continuing to go on. And it was, it, it was getting to a point of it's either like, all right, well, I either go home and completely disengage or I enter into the conversation. And so this, this is a subtle example of what I'm talking about, though. To me, I would go, all right, well, then I'll well, like, honestly, because I know how because it's hard to picture our house. So like at this point, the conversation was in the kitchen. Uh, like, were I in your situation, I would, and I didn't care, and I didn't want to be a part of the conversation. I would simply come to the front room, or I would have done what you said, left. Yeah. You know. Well, I did eventually because you guys kept going after I left. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it I was, was like an hour. I was, I was really having a hard time with the like. You, I know that you are, you are insisting that on something you don't believe. Like, See, that. but that's, that's my point. Like getting to the heart of that really matters to you. And that's great. We need people like you guys. Well, also, I, I would say, I think, uh, the person that I was talking to was also like participatory. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like, um, I was cornering this guy. No, and no, like, no, 100%. He was like, no, let's get into it. Actively, and like. Yeah. Actively wanting to be a part of that conversation. Because I, I was actually having a good time. Right. Even though I was kind of frustrated we, at the insistence. We, that, you we know. need people like you guys. I am just saying I don't think that this pursuit of sincerity and truth and getting to the heart of it is the main thing that motivates every person. It certainly isn't for well, me. Well, I definitely know it's not. It certainly isn't for me. Like the thing that matters to me is safety and security and being like being supported and using my voice. And in conversations like that, as somebody who often self-minimizes in order to like please other people, I feel like "Eh, I'm just gonna be quiet. And not because I think anybody is like telling me to do that, but because that feels safer than entering into that conversation. It has nothing to do with like, I, I honestly, I don't care enough. I don't. Like, I don't care enough about getting after it. Like, you can only care about 12 things in this world. And for me, like, getting after the truth in politics or in whatever, that's not it. It's not fun for me. I don't enjoy it. It's not it. I think it is a more of a, also, like, a type of person. I mean, if they're re- real egotistical, I mean, they have to win the argument. You know, they have to be the one that's right. And, and I mean, um... And when I, when I try to have a conversation with, 
with some people. I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't try to be combative with them. I, I, I heard this, this, I'm all about quotes. So, I mean, the, I, I'm probably going to butcher this one, but it's like, um, don't get loud, just improve your argument. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's where. I wish that was enough. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, when, anytime I, anytime I talk to somebody and, uh, and, and, and you're, you're right about like, uh, you know, you can only care about so much. I, I truly love this country. I care about it. 100%. I spilled blood for it. So, um, for it to, to, for, for me to sit back and see how things are going now and, and it, and it, and it kills me inside. 100%. So, I mean, that's where for me, like, you know, when you go to, uh, when you go to your family's house, you're not supposed to talk politics, religion and, and, um, Sex. No, what is it? Politics, (laughs) religion, and I don't know. One other topic you're not supposed to talk about. But um, I do talk about politics. And and I don't try to come in and like, well, you know, oh, you believe that? Oh, you're you're terrible. You suck. Oh, you know, I don't try to attack them. I was like, I I try to kind of educate them on, well, why do you think that way? Or what what is it that, like, what is it that, why, why, okay, tell me why I'm wrong. And so then that's how we could start a conversation. And then, um, when I, when I try to hit when I hit them with facts, they they attack me a lot, and I feel it, very similar. Yeah, and then where I'm like, you know, and like, I, I, well, could, that's I, not I could get true. Re- I could really get combative. But I'm like, okay, so deep breath. They don't know, so take a deep breath, and then I just try to come at it at different angles. Like, okay, well, how about do you know this truth? So I always try to get them to think about the truth and hit them with facts, and then not. Not get loud, but just yeah, uh, improve I, my argument. And I'll agree with you guys too. Like social media, absolutely, I think has caused a lot of problems with political divisiveness and with like people not being able to have actual conversations. Like I'm 100% for that. I think my point in that is that I just avoid it. Like I just don't watch the news. I don't get involved unless it's something I'm really passionate about. Like. I'm good to just chill on the side. I think that's fine. What frustrates me is is that there is a pressure now for everyone to it's not it's not okay for you to not have an opinion about it. Right. And mm-hmm. that's that's part of what's so infuriating about it to me is that like It's like I don't mind I, again to go back to the the parade thing. Like I don't know the details. Yeah. So if somebody asked me my opinion on it, I'd be like I don't I don't know. I mean, I definitely think it's bad to mow into a parade with your vehicle. (laughs) Like, I think that's bad. You know, I don't know why that guy did it. I don't know what was going on. I don't know. Like, was he drunk? Was was he politically motivated? Was there some kind of an agenda? Like, I don't know any of the answers to that. And so I do not have an opinion about it other than. We definitely should enforce the traffic laws that prevent people from hitting people with right, cars. Right, but you're not allowed to not have an opinion. But like you're there not allowed is, to take yeah, there's like stand. a pressure to like. And my big thing is like I feel like politically I'm very centrist. Like when it comes down to it, I have taken the political compass test. I am right down the middle. I'm slightly left, but it's it's very slight. Um, and nobody can be in the middle anymore. Yeah, like yeah. you have to be on an extreme to have an opinion. Cool, I'm gonna have a conversation with you for the next hour. And then <laughs> change your mind. <laughs> no you're kidding. Uh, we are. We're, I mean, we're kind of at the end of our our time because uh, I knew, I feel like this conversation could go on for a very very long time. Well, I'm sure. But we could. do have to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, uh, we always end with a like a cheers to anything that you would like. Uh, we all we all get a chance to kind of toast something. So would you like to go first or would you like one of us to go first? I'll let y'all go first. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. I'm going to toast the Marines. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, cheers. Yeah. Cheers to, to you and all those who have, uh, and it's, I mean, like, obviously the risking your life is a huge, but it's, there's a little more to it than that. It's the, the, the amount of work and effort that goes into being able to do that mm-hmm. is a big part of it. So cheers to you and, and, and all the Marines who have, and you know, we can, we'll give a little half a cheers to all the other armed forces too, but to the Marines. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to cheers to um, the idea of resilience. Uh, your, your thoughts on that were really inspiring to me. I really enjoyed those stories and it's, it's motivating me to lean into that a little more. Being flexible and bending and not being, you know. Be the palm tree. Be the palm tree. Or the bamboo. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> this would be a time too if you want to plug top fitness or anything like that oh yeah oh, I, I go plan for on it. doing that um all right so i guess i gotta do a couple cheers all right so uh cheers to uh, my united states marines wherever they're at uh if they're overseas god bless you uh make, make sure you return home safely i'm praying for each and every one of y'all to uh, return safely to your family um to all my buddies who are uh, recently retired my buddy uh sergeant major wood woodard um gunner sergeant Dennis Everett, who's uh, retiring, they're good old Texans. Um, God That's bless where I was you. Born. Oh, okay, yeah. good deal. Um, then uh, Marine Corps birthday just was uh, was a couple weeks ago. So cheers to you, to all the United States Marines out there. Uh, may we never forget uh, the Marines like Corporal Lapka, uh, Lance Corporal Branding, Lance Corporal Medina, Sergeant Peralta, Staff Sergeant Ramsire, um, Sergeant Christoph, uh, close buddies of mine that. Uh, uh, were killed uh, during Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom and Operation uh, Enduring Freedom. So God bless you. Uh, make sure uh, and, and your families. Uh, you, you're never for, you're never forgotten. And um, on a happy note, if um, you feel up for it, um, come get a workout with uh, Top Fitness. Uh, we're here in Oviedo. Uh, we serve the Oviedo area. And come check us out at topfitness407.com or Follow us on Instagram, uh, top underscore fitness 407. Um, and also reach we'll out to... We'll put all those links in the description for uh, the show notes. Awesome. Uh, also like to reach out to uh, uh, veterans. If uh, you're, you're dealing with PTSD or whatever it may be, um, I reach out to you all. So um, instead of y'all reaching out for a bottle of pills or alcohol, and if you're struggling, uh, my brothers and sisters out there, Hey, come get a workout. Come punch a bag. Come get your frustration out. Uh, don't don't do anything harmful to yourself. Um, be resilient. Come do something something healthy. Come get your frustration out. Uh, get a good workout. Be, be around some motivating um, good Someone people. Someone who probably understands a little bit about absolutely, what that, yeah, absolutely. Come, and then um, you don't have to reach out, reach for that alcohol bottle. And um, you know, well, we've all been there. So. And we all have lost uh, loved ones, uh, close buddies of ours. So um, take care of yourself and come on out. There's nothing more I could add. Right, and I truly appreciate it. Man. Yeah, thank yes, you so much for coming. Thank you so much for, uh, for the invite. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you willing to being willing to come and, and share and and be a little vulnerable in the, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but here I go. <laughs> like, thank you very much for that. Absolutely, yes, sir. All right. Good Good night, night, everybody. everybody. Good night.